The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. Thank you for listening. For more information on Story City, you can find us online at storycitychurch.com or on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Story City Church. Can we go ahead and give a hand to Samir? Thank you for... All sin comes down to control. All sin comes down to control. And each of us has a place in our heart where we are not believers. You might have been a follower of Jesus and apprentice of Jesus for 25, 30, 50 years. But all of us have areas where, where we, as Samir pointed out, try to control because of a fear, oftentimes unrecognized or unconfessed. But we are already loved. Our identity is not in, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, not in what other people think of us, but it's also not in what we believe about ourselves. Our identity is in who he says we are. And so as we take communion, there's a couple things here I want us to see. For those of you who haven't been here before in our communions, um, we're going to have some people who will uncover the bread and the juice here shortly, and we ask that you would grab the cup, grab a piece of bread, and you would go back to your seats. And I'm going to ask you this morning to have a moment of confession. And as you do, I would ask the Lord to show you the areas of your life that you don't fully believe in him yet. For some of us, there's many. For some of us, there's a few. But for all of us, there's some. And in that moment of confession, there's, there's something about the scripture that Samir just read that talks about the thankfulness and being thankful to God for what he has already done. I would say, come and say, Father, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. But thank you that you help me in my unbelief. And just confess his goodness. 1 Corinthians 10, 23 says this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, we proclaim, we stand in your death, for it has brought us life. You were wounded so that we might be healed. You were broken so that we might be restored. And so we take communion this morning. We remember your generosity to us. And we say, Father, help us in our unbelief. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for having me here. I appreciate Jared, his leadership. Um, it's been a joy. Like Pastor Jared said, I'm a former church planner, I guess you can say, or church planner, I don't know what you can say, but I'm a, what I like to tell people, a recovering church planner. <laughs> um, it's definitely been a journey. COVID has definitely yeah. done a lot. Um, the last couple of years, and uh, it's, it's pretty fitting, kind of the passage that we're in. 
today, and I'm able to share with you guys. And so I'm, I'm pretty excited about diving in to this passage because it's definitely been a passage that's spoken to my heart where God's really led me in ways of healing, restoration for my soul. And I hope it can do the same for you guys. So let me just pray for us really fast to lead us in God's word this morning. Father, we um, are humbled by the reading of your word, uh, the, the transformation of your word, and Lord, we, we ask that you penetrate our hearts um, for the washing of your word in and through us, Lord. God, I pray as uh, your word is preached this morning that I be decreased, Lord, so that you will be increased. God, that your, your son Jesus will be glorified and placed on his throne in our hearts for all eternity. God, I pray that you give us clarity, give us understanding um, of who you are, Lord, but also more of who we are so that we can better worship and glorify you. We exalt you, Jesus. We praise you. Be with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So this passage, again, is, um, I'm grateful that I get to share it with you guys and, and preach through it. Um, it. It starts off with, at least in the, in the passage that I read in the ESV, it was read a little differently in the CSB, but it's all the same in the sense, but it starts off with a therefore clause, which means every time Jesus says therefore, he's talking about everything I just said comes to this point. Therefore, listen up. Listen to what I have to say. This is very important. This is a continuation of what I just spoke about. Before, last week, Jared spoke on a lot of things that Jesus said, like a lot of do's and don'ts, right? A lot of, a lot of things that we should and should not do. But the clarity was, was that the reason why Jesus was pointing to that was because he was trying to help us understand what was going on in our hearts, because he's a compared in contrast to the hypocrites who did those things for the sake of man's glory. Right? And Jared did an awesome job helping us understand that. The point of that was to help us see that it's not about the things you do outward. It's about what's going on in your heart. Right? And Jesus then is continuing this understanding. Right? He ended that last section on you cannot serve both God and money. So what is he saying, therefore, now, right? I want to read my translation really fast, just not that it was better or worse, but it was just can give some more clarity. When you read more translations, it kind of um, helps you kind of clarify. It says this, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor what you, about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor, sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet, I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, 
Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus here dives into an emotion, right? That's the truth. Anxiety, worry is an emotion. And a lot of the times in the church, and I, I don't know if I can speak for myself or, for, or what, but we don't deal with the idea of emotions really well, right? We don't really teach that well. About I'm not saying Story City. I'm not here, right? I'm not here. But church in general, Big C Church, I've experienced that this idea of an emotion is, is not really portrayed as a good thing. If Jesus here is addressing a pretty deep one, anxiety, anxiety, emotions in the church, I think, need to be explained a little better. And clarified a little more. Because the reality is an emotion is the language of our hearts. It's the voice of our heart. What is our heart saying? That's where our emotions are derived from. And the truth is, the reason why the church sometimes is like, be careful, is because we understand God's word that says our heart is deceiving, which is true. So when our hearts are deceiving and our emotions and our emotions are the voice of our hearts, we have to be careful, right? But it doesn't mean be careful and don't learn about it or, or don't expound in it. It's let's be self-aware. Let's seek understanding. What is our heart telling us? Yes. And Jesus is declaring to them, do not be anxious, pointing to their hearts, pointing to the emotion that they are feeling. Our emotions are healthy, and self-awareness points us to the root issue of our sin, the root issue of our trauma, or even the good things that God has done in our lives, right? So that's the beautiful thing about diving into this passage, is that Jesus does not avoid emotions. He discusses it. Not only does he discuss it, he actually portrays it in the Gospels. We've seen moments where he shows anger. We've seen moments where he shows sadness. Right? We've seen moments where he is so afraid that he's bleeding from his pores before he takes the cross. Anxiety is a huge deal. It's a huge part even of our society now. We hear a lot about it. Anxiety and depression and the things that it's caused, and, and how then do we respond to it as believers? What is anxiety? How do we work through anxiety in God's understanding, in God's word, and in response to this big issue? I want to first under, help us understand that I understand the societal understanding that this is a big deal. Right, and the last two years have been heightened. You know, I can't speak for centuries past, but in the last two years, 
man, like COVID, job loss, economical downfall, racial uproar, injustice, shootings, deaths by suicide has increased dramatically. I mean, the list goes on. Social media doesn't help. Man, the political divide, I've never seen it like this before. Anxiety is in the forefront. It's at war with us. And we need to understand what's going on. Jesus is saying, he's speaking. This was over plus 2,000 years ago. You think he didn't know this moment was here, was going to come, where his people were struggling with this same issue? What's happening? And I'm aware that there is a medical piece to it as well, that anxiety can be something chemical, there can be something that needed medically and, and professionally treated. So I'm not putting that as a, as that's, that, that, that's not a true thing. That, that's, that's very much so something that is need to be addressed. And so I don't want to say that if you have anxiety, you know, you need medication, or if you don't, or whatever the case may be. So just know that I'm aware that there is a medical point to it as well. But I want to address more so the general reality of what Jesus is addressing. Anxiety is a reality that we all confront at one point or another. So the first thing I want to say, what is anxiety? Let's define it. And so one of the definitions that I um, found was in this book called The Voice of the Heart by Chip Dodd. So that wasn't my own thing, The Voice of the Heart. Chip Dodd, okay, he's the one that put it together, and it's a really good book. I definitely recommend it. He, he describes anxiety this way. He says, anxiety is the physical expression of an unacknowledged or unsurrendered fear. Anxiety sets us up to try to attempt to control life to minimize the experience of fear. Love that definition. So essentially, it's a, it's a fear that is unacknowledged or unexpressed in a healthy way then it becomes anxiety because the anxiety becomes the, the need to control whatever that fear is. In the Greek, it's not much different to be anxious, to be troubled with many cares. That's what it means. And so the question is, am I anxious? Are we anxious? Are you anxious? Examples of some unsurrendered fear that leads to anxiety can be things like, being so concerned of what people are constantly thinking. I wonder what they thought of me. I wonder what he thought. I wonder what she thought. Does he think I'm pretty enough? Am I a bad person? Do they think I'm a bad person? Should I have said that? Man, I shouldn't have said that, huh? What did you think or she think he said or she said? performance anxiety, right? Like just wanting to be liked. And it's not a coincidence that Jesus, in the beginning of chapter 6, he says, don't be like the hypocrites when they give, right? And then they sound a trumpet before people, right? Verse 1, chapter 6, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. There's this weird desire in humanity that wants to be known, Right? And in the root of that is the desire to be known by God. But in its perversion, we, we get this desire to be known. 
by others. We also can see financial despair as a form of going into places of anxiety and fear. Fear of not having enough, right? Envious of how much others might have. Constantly thinking that they will end, that you will end up on the street or, or not make enough and, and not be able to make ends meet. Sometimes irrational fear, right? In the end of chapter, uh, the last section, you cannot serve both God and money, Jesus said. And then he said, do not be anxious. There's something there with money that creates this anxiety. And sometimes just daily irrational fears, right? Are my needs going to be met? Are my needs going to be met? Are my needs going to be met? Constant worrying. So my question is, what's, what's the purpose of fear? Why do we struggle with fear? Where is that coming from? The reality is fear is to help us recognize danger and to ask for help. That's the point of fear in its essence. See, like when my kids are afraid or they're in a scenario where they're, they're, they're afraid and, and it's not safe, what do they do? They cry and shout for help. Mom, mom, dad, ah, they're afraid. And what do we do? We run to protect and help them. But for whatever reason, when we get older, whatever reason, when we get older, when we're afraid or when something comes up, we tend to just, I can't say anything. I can't share this. I got to figure it out. I mean, the various reasons why that is. It becomes suppressed. Because without fear expressed, that child could have been in major trouble, right? If that child did not express the fear that was coming at them or whatever the concern was, they could have been in major danger. Fear prompts a person to move towards help. Fear prompts us to move towards help. But anxiety provokes a person to flee to fight or to freeze. We, we, we want to protect this fear without the expression. So fear gets a bad rep, in my opinion. I think it's very healthy if it's expressed in a healthy way. Fear is a good and healthy, it's good and healthy when expressed and responded to well. Fear is unhealthy and leads to anxiety when it's compressed, not shared, not recognized, and ignored. That's where it leads to anxiety. So I share all that to kind of get the, the pace of what are we talking about here? What is anxiety? Because if we just start throwing stuff out, be strong and courageous, be faithful, believe, just start using Christianese, then we, we forget what is the transformation God is trying to do in our hearts. There's something there that he's seeking to pursue. It's not just statements of faith, which are great. But why are we expressing those statements of faith? Even in the scriptures, God addresses his people that are afraid. Often, when we read through the Old Testament, New Testament, all over, he addresses them constantly. He says these four things to every single person that he addresses that is afraid. He says, or these four words, I am with you. Right? Do not be afraid. 
for I am with you. Be strong and courageous, for I am with you. Go to the ends of the earth, for I am with you. These are all things that he's sharing to people that are freaking out. They're scared. They're afraid. But he says, don't forget, I am with you. He's not saying, don't be afraid because that's sinful. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, don't be afraid because I'm here. I'm right by your side. These are some of the passages. I mean, I don't even... Isaiah, Isaiah 41, 10, Jeremiah 1, 8 through 9, Genesis 26, 24, Deuteronomy 31, 6, John 14, 27, Romans 8, Joshua 1, 9. I mean, the list goes on and on where he does this to people that are afraid. And the beauty is that fear addressed and confessed is when God reminds us that he is with us. Fear addressed and confessed is when God reminds us he is with us. So there's a beauty in fear when it's confessed. And that's my first point when it comes to overcoming and conquering anxiety. First point is to confess. Confess and admit your fears and anxieties and needs to the Lord and to others. So taking a moment, maybe you've already done this as as I've been talking to start even thinking about what are some of those fears that I have not expressed, whether to the Lord, and this is between you and God, or maybe you feel courageous enough to share with others whenever you feel ready for that. But what are those things? What can be some of those things? Just to kind of spark some thought, some things that I know I've experienced, there's this fear sometimes of being alone, right? This fear of being abandoned, again, This fear of being broke, purposeless, unlovable, addicted again, unable to connect with others. What is the fear in you not being good enough, disappointing those you love, making God angry? I've dealt with that in the past. Fear of responsibility itself, not being a good mom or a good dad or a good grandpa or grandma. What are some of those fears that are stirring? And I share those just to encourage us to not be afraid to express those to the Lord. In those fears, there is a need. What is the need in correlation with that fear? We will have a moment later during communion where I want to encourage us to have that moment with the Lord. Of of really just seeking out what that could be. Because healthy fear that is confessed leads to awareness of our needs, right? And when we have awareness of our needs, that leads us to faith because we realize we can't do it on our own. We need something greater than ourselves to help us. That leads us into faith. Into faith in who? Into faith in the provider of our needs, the one who could actually meet our needs, so the beauty is, is without fear, we cannot truly believe. Without the addressing and the recognition and the realization of fear, we can't really believe. So that's my second point. First one is to confess our fears. Second one is to believe. To believe in the truth of the gospel of Jesus. 
and who he says we are, like he said in this passage. Because the amazing truth of who he is is that he is the creator of all things. Just like sometimes I have to sit and remember this. Like he created every little thing, right, in the universe. He is perfect. He is holy. He is lovely. He is good. And he loves you deeply. These are all facts. And that he is the perfect sovereign provider of your life. This is what Jesus is saying here. Like that's what it's pointing to. Believe this truth. That he is the provider of your life. That he got you. Amen. Right? I mean, verse 32. And your heavenly father knows that you need them, some of them. Now he says you need them all. And he knows that. Do we believe that? Do we believe that? He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the God, the provider. I mean, last week when Radius came and just shared that song with us, beautiful song. Jehovah Jireh. He says, you are enough. Right? You are enough. They say that so many times. I will be content in every circumstance because he is the provider, right? And I love when they say, I'm already loved. I'm already chosen. I'm already loved. That's a big deal. Do we believe that we are already loved by God? I love that section, verse 26. Are you not more valuable than they? I mean, when I read that, I was like, Jesus is saying, like, duh. Like, come on, guys. Like, that's his duff to us, right? Wake up. Of course you are. I created these birds. I created these lilies. I'm the one that feeds them, takes care of them, watches over them. Are you not more beautiful and valuable than they are? Of course you are. We are his prized possession. Do we believe that we are loved by God? in this way. He has a good plan for our life. Do we believe this good news, that he loves us deeply, that you are valued, that you are beautiful, that you don't need the acceptance of others or that one person or that that person that said this one thing about you on social media. You're already loved. You're living out of a place of being loved already. That's where the freedom in Christ comes. We're not living to be loved. We're living from love. That's beautiful. That's where freedom comes. He has a good plan. When we believe this good news, it becomes a lot easier to do this third thing that Jesus says here, right? He says, then seek first the kingdom of God. I mean, we, I've read this so many times. I'm like, all right, I got to go to church. I got I to gotta serve. I got to be on the mission field. This is what it means to seek the kingdom is what I always had thought. But all those things are active doing expressions, right? And, and the more I, I get to know Jesus, the more I read his word, And I was reading, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The more I learned and understood, like, without a king, there is no 
kingdom. Right? And so Jesus is pointing to himself when he's saying this. He's saying, seek first the kingdom. He hasn't taken himself on the throne yet as king to them at that moment. So to them, they're like not fully grasping what this means. But after the fact, we know that he took his throne on the cross. And this is where the upside down kingdom comes in, right? That in the kingdom of God, the cross is the throne of Jesus, is the throne of the king. What does that mean? On earth, it's the throne. Obviously, he goes up into the heavenly throne. And, but I mean, on earth, he took the cross as his throne because he did it for us. The throne of the cross is to show us of his love and genuine expression of his kingship to us. He's saying to them, seek first the kingdom. Seek first me as your king. He's pointing to himself. What a beautiful, beautiful truth. With a daily reminder of the kingdom of the gospel of Jesus, that the perfect life that he lived, the perfect life that he lived is our example of an anxiety-free life. If you just read his story, he is not rushing. He's not freaking out, right? He's going and he's loving people well. He's caring for people. He's healing people, right? He'll get into emotional places, but he's not doing it in a place of anxiety. He's doing it in a place of I'm recognizing this. Lord, help me. God, help me. Let, let me seek and love people well. He's crying for those that have died in Lazarus. He, he's showing expressions of emotions in healthy, godly ways. What a beautiful example of the life we are to live. And then we look at his example of his finished death on the cross for our sins. And then we look at the hope of the resurrection These are all expressions of the kingdom that we seek. Him, Jesus. And then he says, then seek his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. What is his righteousness? Guys, he is his righteousness. Jesus is the righteousness of God. He's continuing to point to himself. What are we seeking? We're not seeking to go on mission trips, although those are great things. I'm not saying don't do those things. We are seeking Jesus himself. He brings us to this place of peace. This place of of reality, of his righteousness, now being poured out into us, over us. His blood shed on the cross is the expression of his righteousness upon us. His righteousness meaning that we are now in right standing before God. Not because of what you did or what I've done. There's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can do. No matter how hard we work or how many mission trips we go to, there's nothing we can do to earn God's love and his righteousness. Jesus is his righteousness. He is the righteousness of God. And in our seeking of the kingdom and his righteousness, we are seeking Jesus and him alone. He is the gospel. He is the truth. He is the point that we seek after only. 
So as we live this life where there is fear all over and there's anxiety running after us, let us confess them to the Lord. The fears that might overtake us, you're not alone. We've all experienced it. We've all felt it. You, you just and I have come to a place in realizing that we have a need that we cannot meet. And there's only one who can. And to believe that the provider, Jesus, is going to meet that need. And we will seek first his kingdom. We will seek Jesus as the righteous one. He is righteous. He is the one that will bring peace. He is the one that will bring surrender. He was the one that will bring us to a place of wholeness and of rest that we are all seeking for. I just want to close with this verse. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Paul is saying this to the Philippian church. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. I love this part. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. I love that he says, do not... He says, the Lord is near before he tells you not to be anxious. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let me pray for us as we go into a time of communion. Holy God, we come before you recognizing that we have fears. God, may we lay our pride down. May we humble ourselves and confess our fears to you, God. God, the reality is, is that without your righteousness, without what you've done, without Jesus, you, God, we have every reason to be anxious and afraid without you. But the reality is, that you've made yourself available to all for those that now believe or that have not yet believed, that you've, you've opened the door and your heart and your arms to all of us to come into your presence and say, God, I am afraid and I don't know what to do. We need you, Lord Jesus. We cannot provide the needs that we're afraid of. We cannot provide them ourselves. We need you, oh God. And so if you have never confessed your life to the Lord Jesus and desired those needs to be met, he is the only one that can meet them. We encourage you to seek him, the king, the provider of all. And God, all of us, we come before you. We confess our fears. We believe in the truth, Lord, that you are the provider and that we are valued. Lord, and we seek first the king and the kingdom and his righteousness you, Jesus. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name.